Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome myself back. <laughs> uh, I missed the week. You guys know I was on vacation. I hope you guys have been well, though, doing well. I'm doing well myself, but it's a big night. It's a big night tonight. So it's Tuesday afternoon. I got my lemonade beside me. Uh, we're, we're set with, you know, we're several hours away from tip off of game six of the NBA finals. You guys know this is a Wednesday episode, a Wednesday episode. So by the time you guys hear this, um, you guys would have known if Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker, if they, if they forced a game seven back at home, or if we're crowning a new NBA champion in the Milwaukee Bucks, right? So be patient, be, 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 be patient with me. <laughs> uh, but you know, cause we got, we got a lot to get down given the fact that I missed a week, but, um, I, I'm excited. I mean, I'm really, really excited to break down and analyze what I've been looking at, um, over the past couple games and what I'm looking to as far as a forward, I should say with game six, uh, t- being tonight going to be played tonight, but also, also you guys know, I told you, I'm going to be slowly working in my football content, so I'm going to give you guys early sneak peek. I'm going to give you guys my AFC predictions. I'm going to do I'm going to go I'm going to go down each division and I'm going to give you guys my AFC predictions. Now remember, I I do a early prediction and then I do my official prediction. I usually try to do my early predictions prior to preseason. And then I do I conduct my official predictions right before the regular season starts. So I'm going to give you guys the AFC first and then I do NFC um, on the following episode. But I'm excited. I can't I, I, I know you guys are excited. I can't wait to get into it. But first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kidd of the Isaiah Kidd podcast. I am ready to go. Uh, like I said, I was just on vacation. I enjoyed myself. Um, I'm laxed. <laughs> I'm laxed and I'm ready. So let's get into it. NBA Finals tonight. We could be crowned a new champ. Let's get into it. Um, let's not waste any more time. Let's go. Let's get into this. Okay. So game six of the NBA Finals tonight. Uh, and let's just say, for conversation's sake, the Milwaukee Bucks win game six tonight. I think everybody knows, I think everybody knows what they can expect from national televised sports shows, radio sport, you know, sports radio, radio sports shows or podcasts, whatever. After, if the game, if the Bucks win game six tonight, I think we all know what type of questions and topics and, and narratives that you will hear if the Bucks were to win tonight, right? We all know we're gonna get. You're gonna hear the question. You're gonna see the question of. You're gonna see or hear the question of. Um, is Giannis the best? I, you know, since Giannis won a championship, is he the best player in the league? You're gonna see um, the question or the topic pop up. Does does Giannis has the does Giannis have the best resume for a 26 year old? You're gonna see those things, and then with Chris Paul on the flip side, um, you know, if Milwaukee was to win tonight, you're gonna see the question of is Chris Paul uh, still a top five all time point guard, or what does he rank on your like? You're gonna see that. You're gonna see that, right? We so we all know. Just buckle up for that conversation for those narratives to be pushed. For those questions to be asked if the Milwaukee Bucks win, right? But I'm gonna get to that. But let me let me let I'm a, I'm a if for and for all the new listeners, uh, I greatly appreciate it. Shout out to you guys. Um, it seems like we gain we gain new listeners every episode, so shout out to you guys. But 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 my previous episode that I recorded last week, um, last Wednesday, I talked about. And I made this one point, and I didn't even. And when I made that point, I didn't even know it was a controversial take until I saw people's responses, right? Um, and and I went out and I said this. And mind you, guys, I went out and said and mentioned and made this same point and made this same take, you know, on other platforms, right? 
peep more people disagree. Like I was surprised that you know people found it controversial, right? But neither here there. I said the Milwaukee Bucks at their best versus Phoenix at their best. Milwaukee very well could be better. But the second half of my take, I don't I don't think in the people that most of the people that disagree with me, I don't know if they heard or understood the second half of my take when I made that that statement, right? Milwaukee at their best and Phoenix at their best, Milwaukee very well may be better. But but Milwaukee lacks consistency. So I don't know how many times we're going to see Milwaukee at their best. And mind you, I said this all before the series started. Um, I said this after game three. Uh, so I've been, I've, this is, this, this has been something I've, that I've been saying. Um, but, you know, people think it's controversial. And I, and I say that, I say this to say that. I say this, this, I say that to say this. I chose Phoenix to win this series in six to seven games. That's what I I had Phoenix in six to seven games. I'm a stick. I'm a stand by that just off of my take integrity. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand by that. I I picked Phoenix to win at the beginning of the series. I picked Phoenix to win in six or seven games because I thought they had better coaching, uh, better depth, uh, and they're more they're a more consistent basketball team. But when I made that statement. Milwaukee at their best and Phoenix at their best. And I said Milwaukee very well may be better. People went, Some people went berserk. But I said the second half, and I said, hey, how many times do you guys think we're going to get Milwaukee at their best? Because, and we, obviously they're up 3-2, and they have a chance to win it all tonight. But consistency was a problem for the Milwaukee Bucks all throughout the playoffs. It was a problem. And yeah, they've gotten this far to the NBA Finals, um, but it was a problem. So I just wanted uh, I just wanted to address that because I think some people took it out of context as if I was saying like just wholeheartedly bolt like just saying flat out the Milwaukee Bucks are better. No, that wasn't that that wasn't my point. My point was if they are better. If the Milwaukee's if the if the Milwaukee Bucks are better at their best, how many times are we gonna see the Milwaukee Bucks at their best? My main that whole I made that statement because I was talking about consistency. That was the general, that was my general point. My general point was just consistency. The consistency of the Milwaukee Bucks. That's why I did not pick them. I pick Phoenix because, you know, Phoenix is the more consistent basketball team. Phoenix is the more efficient basketball team. Phoenix coming into the series, they look like the they look like the better coach basketball team, right? Coming into the series. Now, since we're 5 games into the series and the Milwaukee Bucks are up 3-2 and they have won 3 straight, ran off 3 straight, uh let's get into what this means. If the Milwaukee Bucks win the championship tonight, right? If the Bucks win the championship tonight, game six, two things. I already and I already talked about it a little bit already, but I was having a conversation with an individual who I trust. I trust their sports knowledge, their perspective, and their take and their and their opinions on these type of things. And we were having a really deep conversation about. Um, these national televised shows, the radio shows, and how they rank and debate about these players and the criteria of how they do it. And a lot of it is based on the sheet of paper, the resume, right? A lot of it is based upon resume. So if the Bucks were to win game six tonight, you you would have to take a look at Giannis Antetokounmpo's resume at 26 and you would have to ask yourself since 1980 at the age of 26 who has a resume that's comparable to Giannis identical bows mind you Giannis at 26 
He's made four all-defensive teams. He's a five-time All-Star. He's a five-time All-NBA team guy. He's made. This, he's made. He, he, he has five-time All-NBA team. All-NBA teams. Excuse me. He's won Defensive Player of the Year. He's a two-time MVP. He's made an All-Rookie team. He he's won All-Star MVP, and he's the most improved player. Uh, he won that award as well in 2016. And you factor in the fact that he has a Finals MVP and a championship. Then you have those. You, I'm telling you, you're gonna hear those conversations and those topics come out, come up on national televised shows, on radio shows all across the country, and and they would they would be asking, does Giannis at the age of 26 does he have the best resume that any 26 year old has had since 1980? You're gonna hear that conversation, and I think it's very funny because if like because literally, I'm gonna answer one of these questions. Literally, if you're going off the resume in the sheet of paper, if Giannis wins the championship tonight or in game seven, whatever, games, if he wins it in game six or game seven, it doesn't matter. If he wins the championship, by the narrative and by the tag and by the criteria of how these national televised sports shows talk about and rank these players, then by their criteria, by their own criteria, Giannis is the best player in the league. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. We can we can talk we we can talk about that when it happens. But I just want to I just want to put it out there that yeah that that like by their criteria by their own criteria of looking at the resume, looking at the sheet of paper, you would have to view you would have to judge Giannis. And he would be the best player in basketball. That's just by their criteria. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I just want you guys to understand and see their criteria and understand how they play the game. And I and, and it's not it's no shot at national televised shows or nothing. It's no shot. I mean, because I like some of the shows. I like. I mean, some of the shows and some of the people on the shows. I like. But it's it, it. That's just what it is. That's the criteria that they follow or that they have been following over the last 10 years, right? But with with also, I want to bring up a comparison that you guys know I like to make. And I usually don't do cross-sports comparisons, but I think this one is just really good, and it really batches up well. And it, it, it's, my, it's my Giannis and Lamar Jackson comparison, right? Uh, both guys are uniquely talented. Both guys have been kissed by God with, with their athletic abilities. With their athletic abilities, it is something that we haven't seen, right? Mo, you know, Lamar, you, you know, m- most people say, okay, Mike Vick, yeah. Yeah, Mike Vick, phenomenal athlete, talented. Um, but for but in today's game, Lamar, as far as his athletic abilities at the quarterback position, Lamar is probably the most athletic quarterback in the league right now. I think we can all agree to that. Uh, with his gifts he has physically – they're amazing, and with Giannis, we call him Greek Freak, uh, because of the freakish, the freakishly the things, the freakish things he can do athletically. Um, now, both of their play styles are a, a bit unconventional, and they go against the tra- the, the norm, the tradition. They go against the norm. With Lamar Jackson, we you know usually typically quarterbacks that play within the pocket or play well within the pocket or deliver the football. With higher accurate with a higher accuracy rate, usually wins championships. Usually that's 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 where that's how they win championships. With Lamar, he's a low percentage passer uh, compared to those guys. You know, low percentage passer, um, and his style is just itself is unconventional and not the prettiest at times. And the same could be said for Giannis. Giannis doesn't have the most refined skills. The same with Lamar. Lamar doesn't have refined skills. Um, like a Tom Brady or a Russell Wilson. Lamar doesn't have the prettiest throwing motion like a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and and I'm going to leave Lamar to the side a little bit because, you know, football season is about to start. But with, at least with Giannis, Giannis is one game away from disproving this whole tag. And I'm guilty of it, but disproving of this whole tag that he's not skilled enough. He doesn't have enough offensive skill. And he's doing it all right now. He's doing it all right now, and he has a chance. I talked and I talked about this last week, but he's he's closer. He's getting closer and closer to really disproving this tag 
that we have put upon Giannis because he doesn't have the play style that we are accustomed to seeing and that, that we are accustomed to seeing winning championships, but he's about to win a championship with his play style and his lack of, uh, of offensive skill. He's about to win it all. And I think that's really big. I think that is really big. And that's, and that's something to really look out for in, in the future when we're giving players these tags and, and labeling and labeling them as a such thing, you know, I think it's real important. Um, but I'm gonna move to and this. I'm gonna move to another uh, Milwaukee team, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> this is it. This sounds like a Milwaukee podcast, but I'm gonna move on to the Green Bay Packers, and then I'm gonna go to my AFC predictions. So sit tight for that. I'll be back on the other side. Okay, I'm gonna do a little reset, but we are about 15 minutes into the Isaiah Kid podcast. Welcome back. So we're going to now get into my AFC predictions. As I already mentioned, uh, I do it two times. Uh, I'm going to do it prior, obviously, before preseason. And then I'm going to do it after or I should say right before the regular season starts. I'm going to give you guys my official uh, predictions. But I'm going to do this first. I usually do it two times. That's just how the way I do it. Uh, So I'm going to start with AFC South. And I'm gonna work my I'm gonna go from the top, work my way to the bottom as far as division winners and so forth. So let's start. Uh I think in AFC South, weird division, but I'm gonna take the Indianapolis Colts. I'm looking at this Colts team. I think this Colts team, they're gonna they're gonna be really good. Uh you look at their roster from top to bottom and compare it to their division foes. I don't think their division foes come close. Uh at least like like the teams like Houston, Jacksonville, just overall rosters. Uh Indianapolis has it, has it. Uh, now, obviously, we're going to all be paying attention to the quarterback play of Carson Wentz. This uh, guy text me. Of Carson Wentz. Everybody wants to see what Carson Wentz can do under Frank Wright and a new system. Uh, a system that, oh, I shouldn't say a new system, but a new location. A system, but a system that he's used to. The last time we saw him in this system, he was an MVP, he was an MVP caliber player. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP caliber player. But if Carson Wentz is able to take care of the football, he has a better offensive line, and he plays decent football, this team should be able to win 11 games. And that's where I have them. I have them at 11 and 6. Uh, I think, I think you know, their, their, their secondary last year was a bit underrated, um, and we all know about their line play on offense and defense. Uh, secondly, uh, who I have second in the division, I have the Titans at 8 and 9 coming in second place in the division. Let me tell you this. The Titans obviously made the splashy move in getting Julio Jones. Offensively, they look really good on paper. And I think and I don't expect offense to be the problem. Uh I think I do think people are downplaying the Arthur Smith uh him exiting and going to take the job at Atlanta. I do think people are downplaying that a bit. Uh, I, I do think that's going to be a big loss, but I think offensively they're too talented not to find a way. So I think they'll be fine. I think defensively is where my questions lie the most. I think defensively, and you're looking at you're looking at a defense that ranked 29th, 29th in team pressure. So they were the they were the worst third, third down defense in football last year, and a lot of that came from the lack of pass rush that they didn't have. And they added Bud Dupree, um, a nice player, a really good player, but he's coming off a torn ACL injury. So they're crossing their fingers on Bud Dupree, who they, you know, a couple free agent signings on defense. And also uh, the corner out of Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley, he dealt with some major back injuries. So they're crossing their fingers that these guys first stay healthy, and then, but then that they pan out and they turn around their defense. And that's where I'm a bit questionable at. That's why I had the Titans finish at 89, uh, 89. And keep it beating. I'm going to talk about this at the end, but I have them finishing at 89. Um, next, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to finish third. I think offensively, they're going to look really good. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I know a lot of people are look, you know, waiting for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Want to see what he looks like. He shows flashes of him being this generational talent. I also like Travis Etienne. Uh, they got a lot of, they got a lot of playmakers on offense. I think defensively it's going to be a mess. So I got them. I got, I got Jacksonville finishing six and 11 and then the Houston Texans at three and 14. I don't know what else you could say about Houston. 
they're just it's just a bad football team, like just all over the place. You look all over the, over all over the place. It's a bad, bad football team. Uh, let's go to the AFC East. AFC East. I have the Buffalo Bills finishing twelve and five. I do think they will win the AFC East this year. Um, I think with Buffalo, the way how they're going to get the twelve and five and literally have a repeat season of what they had last year. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen continues to show some consistency uh, in him being a much improved passer. But also the Bills, I want to see the Bills be more balanced. You know, I think, you know, the consistency and Josh Allen improving his passing, I think it would actually help if they ran the ball a little bit more effectively. So I'm expecting Zach Moss and Devin Singletary to try to find more of a uh, effective running game. So Buffalo isn't so predictable. Uh, obviously, on the outside, they have really they got the, Buffalo has weapons on the outside. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, who emerged onto the scene last year, and Emmanuel Sanders. They added Emmanuel Sanders. I don't question the Bills' offense. Uh, the I think the one the one weakness of the Bills that I think we could all point out, not just the running game, but also pass rushers. They lack pass rushers. So uh, hopefully that has upgraded. I know they drafted a couple guys that could help in that department. Um, I'm also looking at a guy like Dane Jackson, who, you know, more of a slot corner, but maybe maybe he gets thrust into that second corner role. I'm, I'm expecting more consistent play for him or Levi Wallace. So I got the Bills at 12 and 5. I think they're going to be a really good team. You got to look at the Bills and you look at them. You got to see they're one of those Super Bowl quality teams, I feel like. Um, at 2, this was a bit difficult for me. But for right now, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins at 10 and 7. I think the Miami Dolphins, I like the direction they're going. And I talked about this. Um, Miami, I think their offensive line, how they're going to get to 10 and 7, their offensive line obviously takes a, a, a step forward, a, notice, a noticeable step. Uh, guys like Austin Jackson, I think from USA, went to USC, um, Solomon uh, Kinley. You know, I'm looking at those guys to take huge leaps. Um, to protect Tua, keep Tua clean, upright, and healthy. Because I think a lot of this with Miami, they have the defense. I think they have the right coach. Even their special teams is, is really good. I think Miami has done everything right, or tried to at least, with getting upgrades, up, you know, with weapons. They added, they went out and signed Will Fuller. They went out and drafted Jalen Waddle. So they have explosive playmakers on the outside, not to mention Jacecki at the tight end position and Devontae Parker. I think the one thing that I'm just really eerie of is the quarterback play. But the quarterback play last year wasn't that great either. Uh, the quarterback play for the Dolphins was questionable, and they still went 10-6. So I'm looking at this team right now. I, st I think this team is better than – than, I think, like, looking at their roster, they got better talent than last year. So I'm expecting to go 10-7. and seven. Um, Next, I have New England at 9-8. and eight. New England at 9-8, and eight, so – and a lot of people don't want to give me credit for this, but I, last year I predicted that the Patriots would go 7-9. and nine. I looked at their schedule. They had the toughest schedule in the league. Um, the quarterback situation was eerie. It was questionable. It was cloudy. Um, and, and they went out and signed Cam Newton. And I looked at it. I'm like, Cam, first year in the system, a difficult system to really grasp. Uh, I predict them to go nine and, uh, seven and nine. This year, I'm going to go nine and eight. Uh, I still have my questions about the quarterback position. I'm not sure if Cam Newton's going to be a consistent enough passer to deliver the ball last year, I, I, I New England. I say this: New England last year had the worst skill position guys in the league. Their skill positions was the worst in the league. They did go out and sign guys like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith. I do think the Johnu Smith sign is going to work. Um, but Hunter Henry, I, he's talented, but he stays hurt. Nelson Aguilar. He has a tendency to drop a lot of passes. Kendrick Bourne, you know, shows some upside in San Francisco. We don't quite know what he is quite yet. So these offseason signings, 
we do you know we look at them and we're like wow these guys are an upgrade because you look at what new england had last year it was horrible so it's not it's not really difficult to upgrade from that so we'll see how much of an upgrade it really is i think new england defensively they're going to be fine but you look at their you look at their september schedule they got a couple they got a few games in september that are very very difficult and historically Belichick hasn't been the greatest in September and you know I'm just I'm just still worried of the questionable quarterback play or the consistent the consistency from the quarterback play um so I got the pa- Patriots at 9 and 8 and then the Jets at 5 and 12 uh you know Zach Wilson I think it, it, it's going to be a learning curve I think with him and Robert Salah you know Zach Wilson got to play against three defensive masterminds in his division Robert Sala he's he, he's the worst coach by default in his division I don't I just don't think the Jets roster is good enough to compete with uh these other teams around the conference uh AFC is very top heavy so I, I got them at five and 12 I, I just don't think they're going to be good enough so let's move on to the AFC North the AFC North I have the Cleveland Browns at 11 and six let me tell you this the Browns have the best offensive line in football. They did lose Sheldon Richardson in the interior of their defense, but I really like this Browns team. Uh, a lot of people were low on the Browns last year because they were so high on the Browns the year before last. I was one of the people that were that I I looked at their schedule and I said the Browns are going to be really good this year. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win about nine to ten games this year. They, they upgraded their roster. They upgraded, and in, in, it was more so in their secondary. The secondary, they had practice squad guys in their secondary last year. Um, I think with the acquisition of a guy like John Johnson from the Rams, they took two of the Rams DBs. The Rams had one of the best secondaries in the league last year. It's going to take some time to get those guys acquainted, but I do think the Browns are going to be really good. Um, I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski with them running that football, it kind of remind me of the Cowboys a little bit. Um, you know, they ran, they run the ball, they stick, they know their identity, uh, a couple years ago, what I mean, several years ago with the Cowboys and their offensive line. I think the Browns have the best offensive line in football. I think that occurred them. I think with an improved secondary, I can see this team taking some steps forward. Baker, you guys know how I feel about Baker Mayfield, but I think the Browns would be good enough where they'd be eleven and six, uh, and make they they'd be a playoff team. Uh, Baltimore, I got them at ten and seven. I think Baltimore is really good team. Um, I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think they're necessarily gonna regress. I mean, their record may say that, but I don't see a lot of regression. Uh, they did add some weapons on the outside, not who I thought they would add, but never you know regardless they added some them some pieces so we'll see how that works out how that pans out but with Lamar with Lamar Jackson I think you're getting you're getting you're, he's gonna have the best receiving core this is the best receiving core of his career right these guys that he had they added Sammy Watkins they uh they got Rashad Bateman but Lamar he's won 80 percent of his games I, I trust Lamar enough and John Harbaugh in that defense where They'll find a way to win 10 games and get into the playoffs. Um, second, or or I should say third, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're gonna go eight and nine this year. Uh, their offensive line is steadily regressing. They haven't, they they I don't think they've really addressed that issue. Ben Roethlisberger, I've I've seen a couple reports that says he's lost some weight and so forth. I'm still not sold on the fact. I know Pittsburgh defensively they're going to be pretty good. Um, that's never the issue with Pittsburgh. Like Pittsburgh always have talented defensive players. Like that's never been the issue. They always have stars on defense. Offensively is where I struggle with them. Um, I just I just don't see a lot of explosiveness. Uh, they brought back Juju Smith-Schuster. They're bringing back the the same roster. You know, just minus Bud Dupree and a couple pieces. I just I just don't see much with the Steelers. Um, they're gonna be decent, but eight and nine I feel like is just uh, just about where they're gonna be. And then lastly, 
I think the Cincinnati Bengals, um, Cincinnati Bengals, I think they go six and eleven. Young, talented. I think they're gonna be a very competitive six and eleven, but they're just young, too young to uh pl- you know, to com- to really, really compete in this division with um with the Browns and the St- even the Steelers. I think they're gonna still be too young for the Steelers. AFC West, uh, I think it's no question that the Kansas City Chiefs will win a division. I got them at 13 and 4. Um, uh, I'm gonna take so second in the division, I'm gonna go with the Chargers. Let me tell you this. The only question that I that so there's there's a couple questions that I have to answer that that the the Chargers have to answer, but Brandon Staley is one of them. I want to see he was a great defensive coordinator for the Rams last year, but I want to see what is he like as a head coach. It's totally different from being a coordinator and a head coach. I want to see how Staley works, but I think the Chargers are going to go ten and seven. Uh, obviously they have a they have a superstar at the court at the quarterback position in Justin Herbert. He's young. I get it. He's gonna he does have a new system to learn, but he's a he's a really smart kid. Really smart kid. He was a I think he had a 4-2, I think he had a 4.2 GPA at Oregon. So smart kid. He he grasped it quick. I think the, the thing with the Chargers is, well, they got and they got some young, they got they got some new pieces on the offensive line. The offensive line, it did get better, but they are new pieces, granted. Now, defensively, they have some defensive stars that struggle to stay healthy. Uh, Joey Bosa and Duran James. Darren, like Joey Bosa and Duran James are arguably two of the best players at their positions, but they struggle to stay healthy. So that's that's my that those are the couple questions that I'm looking for the Chargers to answer. It's first Brandon Staley. How is he as a head coach? But then now, can can the Chargers' defensive superstars stay healthy enough throughout the course of the season? But other than that, I think the Chargers are going to probably finish second in this, in this division at ten and seven. Third, I got the Denver Broncos. The Broncos, their their quarterback deficiencies are going to be too much to overcome. Uh, I like their roster defensively. They look really nice. They got, they even got some nice weapons on the outside. I just think the deficiency at the quarterback position it's gonna be a too, it's gonna be a little bit too much to overcome. Um, I think last year Drew Locke, he he rate he rated twenty nine out of thirty two quarterbacks. He had, I think he had the last. He had the, he had one of the lowest completion percentage, like as far as accuracy, uh, in the league. So, I, I think the fact that their quarterback play, they're gonna suffer. I think Denver's gonna suffer with their quarterback play. I think that's what really holds them back from taking that next step as a team as a whole. But you look at their roster; they look really good. But I, I just think their quarterback play just it aries me. Uh, and I think Vic Vangio. He's on the hot seat. If he don't get it done, I think he's he's going to be on the hot seat. He can he could if it get if it gets bad, he can be on the hot seat possibly. Um, and then now the Raiders. I got the Raiders at seven and ten. Uh, offensive line, they've downgraded at the offense on their offensive line. Uh, they're trying to replace Rodney Hudson, who is a All Pro. Uh, Richie Incognito, he's the ageless wonder. They took they had a they took Alex Leatherwood who was questionable, a good offensive lineman, but I think they took him too high. Um, the Raiders, I think you know they may continue to misuse Henry Ruggs um, after you know he had a disappointing season. So, and I'm I'm looking at the defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. I, I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to overcome the lack of talent that they have defensively. So that's why the that's why I have the Raiders finishing seven and ten. Offensively, not much, but offensively, the biggest strength that they had last year was their offensive line. They downgraded the offensive line, and they took some questionable picks in the draft with their offensive line. And their defense hasn't gotten better as far as talent wise. So I got the Raiders finishing seven and ten. Um, and for right now, these are my playoff. These are my seven playoff teams. I got Kansas City at 13 and 4, the number one seed. Buffalo, the 12, 12 and 5, number two seed. Cleveland at 11 and 6. Indianapolis at 11 and 6. They are my three and four seeds. 
And then my three wild card teams are Baltimore, the Chargers, and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, those are my AFC predictions for now. Obviously, I'm going to do another one after, uh, right after preseason, right before the regular season. So you tell me, guys, um, I, 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 I'm pretty confident in these picks, though. I'm pretty confident. I like these. I like these picks that I've made. Um, yeah, these predictions that I made, I, I like them. I'm gonna go more. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to go a little bit more in depth next time. But just I try to go through it as quick as possible. <clears throat> All right. So I'm talking a little bit of everything today. Um, uh, I'm a. I'm a. I'm gonna talk about Aaron Rodgers for a little bit. Um, because I haven't talked about Aaron Rodgers and it's in his situation for a while now. And, you know, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to close this episode out with uh, CP3 talking about Chris Paul and tonight and what I think is going to happen. But let me talk about Aaron Rodgers really quickly, right? And so big time report that came out this morning, Tuesday morning, um, Adam Schefter says Aaron Rodgers declines a two-year extension that would have made him the highest played player over the next couple years, right? And I don't think that's news to I, I, it shouldn't be news to you guys because I've been we you know throughout the offseason, throughout the NFL offseason, I've been covering the Aaron Rodgers story a bit here, here and there. And we we all know it's not a money thing with Aaron Rodgers. It's deeper than money. Uh obviously Aaron Rodgers wants to control his destiny. Uh he wants to control his decision and his destiny, right? The Packers Back-to-back years where they have gotten, they, where they have been thirteen and three, gotten to the conference championship game, and they either have gotten have gotten ran off the field by the 49ers, or they lose in, I would say, kind of heartbreaking fashion, at Lambeau, at home, um, ball in Aaron Rodgers' hand, and Matt Lafleur makes that questionable decision to take a field goal, right? So they lose both conference championship games. And prior to that, the, right before last year, they obviously drafted drafted Jordan Love, right, to ultimately replace Aaron Rodgers. Now, I think – I do think Aaron Rodgers will show up to training camp. I do. I think he's going to show up to camp. Um, Because there's been some speculation, you know, people all over the sports world, all over the NFL world has been trying to speculate and see if Aaron Rodgers is going, if he's going to show up at Packers camp. I do. I think so. I think he is. And, and, and it's not, and it's not for the money. Okay. Because they could, they could play this long drawn out process and he can get fined, you know, like I think it's like fifty thousand dollars a day. It's something like it's something crazy like that. And he, he I mean, and what's fifty thousand dollars to Aaron Rodgers, right? But day after day after day, like it, it, it'd probably be get annoying. So I do think he's gonna show up, and I do think for the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers' sake, I, I guess it it's gonna be easier to move Aaron Rodgers after the season's over. It's gonna. It's, it's it's just this. I mean, because if you were, if the Packers wanted to entertain any type of deal now, think of the teams that 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 would that would pick up the phone and answer and, and actually conduct a deal. It theoretically, prob realistically, there's probably only one team, maybe two, and that's the Broncos and the Raiders. Two. Those those are those literally those are literally the only two teams that would probably pick up the phone and have the necessary assets to trade and acquire Aaron Rodgers, right? So, and also the dead cap money. If they were to trade Aaron Rodgers this this year, this off, like right now, if they were to trade Aaron Rodgers next week, the dead cap money, the dead cap hit for the Packers would be $38 million. Unless you know you can trade them next year, it's seventeen million dollars. So that's a twenty-one million dollar difference. Teams like the 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 quarterback market, and I hate and I hate it when you know these type of trade process. Like when a when a player wants out, 
and the and the team stalls too long. This is usually what happens when a team stalls too long and they don't and like they don't pick up the phone and they don't call and try to entertain any type of deals or they're not entertaining any type of deals. And it just it's all long and drawn out. Teams like other teams don't have time to sit around and try to and try to trade for Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to waste their entire offseason trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers are just not going to do it. Teams eventually have to move on, and that's what has happened. The the market for Aaron Rodgers at this point is very small. It's very small, but like I said, the best case, the best, the best case for the Packers is to the best scenario, I should say, is to trade him in the offseason. You trade you, you you bring him on. You do have to worry about how it would affect the locker room and so forth. But you bring him on, he plays the Packers. As long as Aaron Rodgers plays, the Packers are gonna be pretty good. Um so you'd be pretty good, but I don't know if you would win a Super Bowl. Who knows? But say you want to trade him at the end of the season, you'll be able to do that. You the the, the options there will be more options because now, right now, you have teams that are that are, that are either committed to a quarterback or trying to decipher between two guys and make their commitment to the quarterback or to those quarterbacks. But at the end of the year, by the time the end of the year comes, there will be teams that will be in search for a quarterback because whatever whoever was their starting quarterback this this year didn't work out, didn't pan out, and they're not their guy for the future. For instance, for example, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is at the end of his rookie deal almost, and – the Giants basically this upcoming year, or for at least for Daniel Jones, it's put up or shut up time for Daniel Jones. Because now, if Daniel Jones does not play well, the Giants can move off of him, and that would open the door for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Not saying the, the Giants would go out to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I've heard rumors that they 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 possibly could, but that's just an example of where. A team, the Giants, Daniel Jones is their guy right now. But if he doesn't play well, Daniel Jones and his future with the Giants, it looks blurry. And the Packers, the Giants will be willing, more than willing, to take on a 30-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Right? So that's just that's just an example of if Daniel Jones doesn't play well, they're going to move off of Daniel Jones. And I think there and there's so many more examples of that throughout the league. But right now, you cannot trade Aaron Rodgers because they're, 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 the offers are limited. They're just the suitors are gone. The teams that would be interested are no longer available. And like I said, the only team that you could do a deal with is the Denver Broncos. That's the only team you could do a deal with. And so the market, so that's what happened. That's what happened when you wait too long and this trade stuff is just all drawn out. The market shrinks. The market for Aaron Rodgers, even the great Aaron Rodgers, who was a, a league MVP this past year, the market shrinks. Teams are not going to sit around and rate around. And I think it's also to note, it's important to note that younger quarterbacks are playing much sooner than what they usually would. And older quarterbacks are playing longer than ever. So it's this influx of the young quarterbacks are playing soon, and then the older quarterbacks are playing much longer into their careers than than ever in football. So that's what that's how you gotta look at the quarterback situation. Is not a lot of teams out here right now. That that as great as Aaron Rodgers is, that could that could that have the assets to trade for him, and when they trade for him, their team is still really good. The only team that's still out there, out in the open, is the Denver Broncos, and that just shows you how the market has completely shrunk 
with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and them possibly getting a deal done. Um, and it just, you know, financially, uh, it makes sense that it makes sense for the Packers to wait until the end of the season or to, you know, after the season. It makes sense financially. You're saving $21 million. Um, the cap hit. I mean, could you imagine a cap hit for almost $40 million? That's literally what it is. If if the if the Packers were to do a trade next week, it would cost them $38 million in dead cap. In dead cap money. That's 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 a lot. That's a that's a lump sum right there. Um, but uh I'm gonna move on to Chris Paul and I'm gonna tell you guys why this finals debacle isn't surprising. All right, so game six tonight of the NBA Finals. I talked a little bit about it in the first half of this episode. I'm going to close it out with this. Um, I'm going to tell you guys this. I think Chris Paul is an all-time great point guard. Um, I, I, I At this point, some people got him in their top five. Some people got him in their top ten. Some people... Got them, got him in his top two, top three, whatever, right? Um, Chris is an all-time great point guard. You're going to look at his numbers and be like, wow, great, great career. But in no shape, in no way, shape, or form, or fashion, am I surprised about this finals debacle of the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul losing three straight games. And you look at it, and if, if, if Chris Paul's numbers, you look at his numbers, you're like, uh, Chris Paul's not playing that bad. He's not, like, he's not playing that bad. But the impact that we usually see from Chris Paul, like his imprint on the game is just not, it's just not there. It just hasn't been there. And it, it's kind of, you know, I, I was kind of rooting for Chris because Chris, 16-year career, he's had a great career, and the only thing he's missing is an NBA championship. That's the only thing he's missing. And 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 quite frankly, I know I picked the Suns to win this series, but I think the Milwaukee Bucks are gonna close them out tonight. They've won they've they've lost three straight. Um, I can see the look on the Suns' face. I do I do think they're gonna try to compete and come out here and compete tonight, but Chris Paul blowing leads and having another playoff debacle, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, and if Chris Paul, and by the way, if Chris Paul loses tonight, Chris Paul would be the all-time leader in blown 0-2 leads. All-time leader. He'll, he'll be the all-time leader in blown 0-2 leads. And he's actually tied with his former teammate, Blake Griffin. He's he he he's tied with his teammate Blake Griffin for most blown 0-2 leads. And I think tonight the Bucks will win and he will surpass Blake Griffin and he will be alone um at the top of that list of most blown 0-2 leads. So I mean, I feel kind of part of me kind of feel bad for Chris Paul, but a part of me knows that this has been the story of his career in the postseason, at least, where he's a he's a dynamic, he's great, he's a great playmaker. Does he make others around him better? Absolutely. Is he a great leader? Absolutely. Does he take your team to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. But is he reliable in the postseason in big moments? Uh, it's never really been Chris Paul's thing. This, it, it, I mean, it just hasn't. It hasn't. I mean, we're, if we're being honest, and some of it comes from injuries. Yes, he's had some unfortunate injuries at some unfortunate times. But some of it is he's just folded and, and, and has been a complete disaster in some unfortunate playoff moments. Like, that's just the truth. That, that, that That's just the truth. I, I'm sorry. That's just the truth. So... Chris Paul, all-time great point guard, but in the postseason, he's literally Phillip Rivers. All-time great point guard, but in the postseason, he's literally Phillip Rivers. And I think the Bucs, even like I said, I had the Suns winning. 
I'm not going to like necessarily renege, but in my head, like outside of my take, I do think the Bucks going to win tonight. I think Giannis is going to have a, a, a big time night. Uh, I think there's no question that he's going to be the finals MVP. If you were having a, you, you, you noticed, I didn't talk about that. You guys noticed I didn't have a discussion or a topic talking about if Giannis is the finals MVP, because I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a question. And I say that with all due respect to Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, but it's not even a debate. It shouldn't be a question or a discussion who the finals MVP is if the Milwaukee Bucks win tonight. And I do think they will win tonight. And I do think Giannis will have a really big night. I think he's going to have a really big night. And I think he's going to cap this finals performance off really well. But with Chris Paul, as far as I'm concerned, with Chris Paul, I am not surprised that he's wet the bed in the postseason. Because, to be quite frankly, uh, I see like him wet in the bed. Is I see that more often just like I see a State Farm commercial. Sorry, but I do. And once again, Chris Paul, I love his game. I love it. Um, I like his game a lot. But if I'm being honest... This is what Chris Paul is. This is what he's been doing for a vast majority of his career. Underperforming, underachieving, melting down in big-time playoff moments. Simple as that. But I catch you guys on Saturday, Saturday's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the predictions. Gave you guys a little bit of everything. NBA Finals, you know, I know if you're from Milwaukee, you got to love this episode, right? Talked about the Bucks, talked about the Packers, you know, so. Um, but gave you guys a little bit of everything. Like I said, I'm going to be slowly moving into or trying to give you guys more football content as we are nearing football season. I do think the NBA season is winding down. It is. <laughs> uh, and it probably ends tonight. But I have the Bucks winning tonight in all seriousness. I think Giannis has a pretty big night. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to let you guys go. Enjoy. Peace. Deuces. Uh, always remember two choices, one decision. I'm out.